even when we have been faithless. And so, Father God, we thank you this morning. We bless your name for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the salvation and the gift of righteousness that is given us. And so we bless you as we come together before your presence, that your word will minister to us, will encourage us, will establish us, and that your word will bless us. And so, Lord, we thank you. We honor you. We praise you. Thank you for your unction, your anointing that's upon us right now. We glorify you. We thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Good morning, and again, welcome to this service that's coming to you from World Outreach Church for All Nations in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And uh, we are streaming live, and uh, we are maintaining social distancing guidelines, and we thank God for you being able to join us today. As you know, our vision, our mantra here is to raise up strong families and serve global communities. And so we welcome all of you that's listening and watching from all over the world and here even locally in the United States. Welcome this morning to this service. Praise God. And uh, let me just say this as I get into the word this morning. If at any time during this message you have a prayer need or a prayer request, please just send a message to us on our website, which is wocfanusa.org. Walkfanusa.org. Again, W-O-C-F-A-N-U-S-A.org. Amen. And so today, I am going to continue from where I left off last week. Uh, we have been speaking on being seated with Christ, in Christ. And last week, I began a series of messages asking the question, are you standing or sitting? Are you standing or sitting? So I'm going to take that a little further this morning. Uh, this morning, I'm going to begin to address the benefits of being seated. The benefits of being seated. But before I do so, let me just give a quick recap from the last two messages. The last two messages, we established the fact that Jesus is superior, hallelujah, to Moses, who is the mediator of the law. We established that Jesus is superior to the angels. The angels are ministering spirits to those of us who are the heirs of salvation. We established the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, hallelujah, is superior to the Aaronic priesthood. Amen. And we established the fact that Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. His offering is more superior and we also went on to establish the fact that since the resurrection, which we celebrated worldwide a few weeks ago, April the 12th, since that resurrection, Jesus is now seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father, far above principalities and powers and dominion and might. And then we went on to establish that Jesus, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, has made us, if you're a believer, born again, is made us to be seated together with him in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. Now, as I was closing last week, I established the fact that being in Christ could be, uh, could be, uh, could be similar to a pregnant woman who was carrying a child and how the child depended for uh, the entire life based upon whatever the mother was doing or receiving. The child in pregnancy received all the nutrients, all the uh, 
whatever she needs to, whatever that child needs to survive and to, to live was derived from whatever the, woman, the, the, the mother was given. And so that's our situation. Me and you as believers, as born again believers, are seated in Christ. And therefore, all of what we need for our livelihood, for our survival, for our, for our sustenance, everything we need is and should be derived from the Lord Jesus Christ. In Psalm 68 verse 19, the Bible says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation, Selah. Let me say that again. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation, Selah. In other words, God wants you to know that every day being seated in Christ, you are being daily loaded with benefits. Selah means think about it. Pause a minute. Reflect on that. Hallelujah. Then in Psalms 103 verse 2, David tells us, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. So this morning and for the next two, three weeks, I want to remind us of our benefits in being seated with the Lord Jesus Christ and in Christ in the heavenly places. I'm going to be using a very, very familiar and popular scripture, one that's mostly beloved, one that all of us have known for years. I'm speaking of Psalms 23. I'm going to be coming to you for the next two, three weeks from Psalms 23, one of the first scriptures I ever learned, even as an unbeliever. Psalms 23 is just that psalm that is so adorable, so admirable, so incredible, so, I mean, soothing, and we're going to be starting from that. Now, so before I go into Psalms 23 this morning, however, I need to set the parameters. I want to read from Psalms 22 a couple of scriptures. Psalms 22 in verse 1, and the reason I'm doing this is because you need to understand how Psalm 23 came about. Because that understanding will help you to appreciate what the Bible is telling us in Psalms 23. So in Psalms 22, verse 1, the Bible says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and I'm not silent. But you are holy, enthroned in the presence of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you, they trusted and you delivered them. So now, I wanted to read this because, and I really want to encourage you at home, if you can, to take a time and read the entire of Psalms 22. The entire passage of Psalms 22. It is clear from that passage in Psalms 22 that Jesus understands the turmoil that human soul can go through. Even though Psalm 22 was a psalm of David, there can be no doubting the prophetic implication wherein Jesus is concerned. And so now, I want to give, I want to do a little contrast of Psalms 22 and the life of Jesus to help make the point that I'm making. Because you will appreciate what I'm about to say in a few minutes. So if you just give me the overhead, the projection or the PowerPoint from Psalm 22, thank you very much. Now, on your screen right now, you should be seeing a PowerPoint or a contrast between Psalms 22 and the fulfillment as found in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
In Psalms 22 verse 1, we, hear, we see to the left of your screen, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning. Well, Jesus in Matthew 27 verse 46, as he was on that cross, he said, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In verse 18 of Psalms 22, we read, They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Well, when Jesus was being crucified in Matthew 27, verse 35, we read, Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing, they cast lots. And then the last one I'm going to show you is in verse 22. Psalms 22, verse 22. It says, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. Here in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12, we see the same exact scripture fulfilled in the Lord Jesus when he said, and the Bible says, and I read, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. Now, I wanted to show you those passages so you can see that every, so you can see the correlation between what David was saying in Psalms 22 and how some of those things were being fulfilled in the life of Jesus, thereby connecting the dots, that thereby helping us to understand that Jesus fully was cognizant. He recognized the anguish of the human soul. Many of us right now, because of this coronavirus, are being in anxiety, we are fearful, we are in despair, we are concerned. Where's the next man going to come from? Am I going to keep my job? Am I going to be able to meet my obligations? And on and on and on. And some of us are actually even questioning if God does love us, if God does meet our needs, if God will even protect us in the midst of chaos and calamity. But I want you to know that Jesus himself understands the feelings of our infirmities. Hallelujah. He understands the anguish of the human soul. He knows what it feels like to wonder, where are you, God? He knows the pain of abandonment from the very people he loved when he was on the cross. The disciples forsook him. They left him. He went through so much pain and suffering to give his life as a gift to you and I, referring to the gift of righteousness. So through his finished work on the cross, he made some 23 possible for us. Glory to God. He made it possible for you and I to have an intimate, trusting relationship with the one who loves and cares for us. He gave everything to remove the shame and the guilt of our sins, to declare us righteous so that we could live in the union with him, experiencing his abundance and peace lacking nothing in Christ and declaring with confidence as David did that the Lord is my shepherd 
and I shall not want. Now, in, in, in preparing for these messages, <laughs> some things just became so obvious that so interesting. I want to share some of it with you. You know, man has made such incredible technological advancement. Even as I speak now, we are trying out self-driven cars. We've gone to the space. Uh, our world has changed. Man has just made so much progress by the grace of God. God has allowed us, given us wisdom and knowledge that we've been able to do incredible things. Things that a few years back would have been unimaginable. But you know what's so funny? In spite of all of those advancements, I realize that um, dogs and cats can be trained, but you will never go to a circus and find trained sheep. Think about that. We can train cats, we can train dogs, but you will never go to a circus and find sheep that is trained. <laughs> I'm saying that because of the irony. Here on the one hand, we've made all this technological advancement. Our lives have been enhanced. The quality of living is much better. And we are continuing to make those advancements. But in spite of all of that, God did not use a fox that is clever to describe man. He did not use a strong animal as a lion to describe us. He calls us sheep. <laughs> he calls us sheep. I mean, why? Why would God call man sheep? Well, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why he calls us sheep. Because sheep, for one thing, are supposed to be dumb. Sheep are very afraid being alone. Sheep cannot take care of themselves. They depend upon the shepherd for the total, complete care that they will need. Sheep, they get very, very, very unsettled where there is friction. And on and on and on it goes. But it's amazing that God would choose this metaphor of his shepherd and sheep to describe his relationship with us. Why? Because he wants us to know without any shadow of doubt that as his sheep, we must totally, completely depend on him for our total care. Amen? So Psalms 23 now, let me just go now to the text for today. Psalms 23, beginning from verse 1. And again, remember, I'm speaking on the benefits of being seated in Christ. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, when David said, the Lord is my shepherd, notice, he did not just say the Lord is a shepherd. He used a personal pronoun to describe the relationship between him and God. And he called him my shepherd. In other words, he may not be shepherd to anybody else. But I want everyone to know he's my shepherd. And this morning, I don't know about you, but I can say without a shadow of doubt, I'm like David. I feel like and I know like that Lord is my shepherd. And so I want to emphasize that word, my. There is a personal, intimate relationship that is being conveyed. And that's the kind of relationship that a mother that's pregnant has with the child that she's carrying. And that's the same kind of relationship Jesus wants to have with you and I as being seated in him. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So the first thing I want us to see is that level of intimacy. There must be intimacy. 
There's the, the, the reason Jesus went to the cross, came out of the grave, and ascended into the heavens. And we are told that when he did so, the veil in the temple of old was torn into two from the top to the bottom, was by therefore given access. So now you and I, as born again believers, have direct access to God. We don't need a middleman. Thank God for the priest. We don't need a priest. We need to go directly to the throne of grace where we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. So God wants to have an intimate relationship with all of us. The Bible defines eternal life. In John 17, 3, it says, This is life eternal, that we may get to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So the issue here is God wants to know us. In other words, he wants me and you to come into a place of union, intimacy, and experiencing him on a moment-by-moment basis. In Mark, 3, uh, Mark chapter 3, I believe it's verse 14, when Jesus called his disciples, the Bible said, he called them to be with him, and then he sent him out to preach. I hope, it, I hope you, you, you got that sequence. First, what did he do? He called them to himself, and then he sent them out to preach. In other words, the first agenda in God's mind is not for me and you running around doing anything for him, as good as those things may be, but the first agenda in his mind is intimacy. Jesus appointed the 12 that they might be with him, with him, then that he might send them out to preach. So the Lord is my shepherd, and my prayer for you this morning is that you come to that place where you can call him your shepherd at the same time. And paradventure, you are listening to me this morning. And you cannot call God your shepherd because you are not born again. I don't want you to wait to the end of this message to respond to that. God is seeking to bring all of humanity into the sheepfold. And you are one of those people. And if that's you, right there where you are, take a pause. Ask Jesus to come into your life, to forgive you of your sins, and to bring you into his fold and to become a sheep in his flock. And if that's you, if you did that, again, I want to remind you, let us know by going to wocfanusa.org. That's wocfanusa.org. Amen. We are never in a hurry to not take the time to minister to those who need ministry, particularly if you are not in a sheepfold and you want to come to the sheepfold, the opportunity is there waiting for you. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. Hallelujah. I shall not want. Now, that phrase, I shall not want, is both a declaration and a decision. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That phrase, I shall not want, is both a declaration and a decision. Declaration in saying, I shall not want, meaning all my needs are supplied by the Lord who is my shepherd. That's a declaration. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I declare and I decree that because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Meaning, all my needs are supplied by the Lord who is my shepherd. Now, it's not just a declaration, it's also a decision. And by decision I mean, when I say the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm also saying, I decide not to desire more 
than what the Lord, my shepherd, gives. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. It's a declaration because I know it will meet all of my needs, but it's also a decision that I decide not to desire more than what the Lord, my shepherd, gives. In other words, while I might want otherwise, in other words, if the Lord is not my shepherd, I may find myself in want. But when the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let me go to Psalms 100. Psalms 100, verse 3. Oh, hallelujah. Psalms 100, verse 3. It says, know that the Lord is good. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So again, if you are born again, if you are a child of God, God sees you as his sheep. Amen? So in the book of Psalms 23 that we are studying from, we have revelation after revelation after revelation of the names of God that reveals the nature of who God is and his love for us. So when the Bible says the Lord is my shepherd, right there we have the revelation of God as Jehovah Roha, the one who takes care of me. I said to you at the beginning, sheep is a very funny animal. They cannot survive without a shepherd's care. Think about that for a minute. God said you are the sheep of his pasture. But in the natural, we also understand that sheep cannot survive without a shepherd's care. So what, are, what does that tell us? So that tells me, it tells us that we as sheep in God's pasture cannot, we were not designed to survive apart from God's care. That's the reason he wants me and you seated together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that just as that child and the mother who is pregnant is deriving all the nutrients and all the sustenance from the mother, even so as believers in Christ, seated in Christ, will derive all our fulfillment from our union with him. In order for a sheep to, fly, to fly, in order for a sheep to flourish, they require a shepherd to feed them, to guide them, to protect them from their enemies that seek to destroy and kill them. Sheep are helpless and depend on their shepherd to take complete care of them. They request, rather, they require constant attention and unending care. Now, a few things we need to know about this relationship. This relationship, this relationship between shepherd and sheep. A few things we need to know. As long as the sheep under the shepherd's care uh, have a perception that the shepherd cares for them, they will not wander off. Now let me say that again. I, I want to address one of the very one of the peculiar. Uh, things about the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. And that is, a sheep will always follow the shepherd, will always do whatever the shepherd wants done, as long as that sheep has the perception that the shepherd cares for them. When the sheep lacks that perception, 
when it feels that the shepherd do not care or does not, do not love them enough, or it, when the sheep stops trusting in the shepherd's care, the sheep will wander off and try to get its needs met somewhere else. My, 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 my. So depending on the perception of, and the, of the character of the shepherd, what do I mean? Depending on how the sheep perceives the character of the shepherd, a sheep will either rest in the shepherd's care and thrive in the green pastures he provides, or the sheep will wander off on their own and become weak in patched lands. God created sheep to get all their needs met by their pet shepherd. I cannot say that enough. That's why I said at the beginning that it's amazing with man's technological advancement and the quality of life that we have today that God yet chooses sheep to describe us because he wants to get a message across to us that apart from him and without him, we will not survive. So, just like a natural sheep, natural sheep, if our perception of God's character if our perception of lack causes us to decide whether we will rest in his love and care for us, we will wander off to try to meet our needs somewhere else. Right now, we have this coronavirus. Most of the nation is in lockdown. Actually, this is going on all over the world. And there may be some of you that's wondering, asking these questions. Does God really love me? You're asking this question, is he really a good God? You're asking the question, can I really trust him to take care of me and the concerns of my heart? Now, how you answer those questions will determine whether you stay seated or if you're going to wander off. Because the moment you start thinking that God does not really love you, then you're going to try to do something to help yourself. The moment you start thinking that God is not really good, you're going, to try to, you're going to begin to try to help yourself. When you start thinking that God is no longer trustworthy, then you're going to try to fix the situation in your life on your own. And I'm saying to you this morning, don't do it. Jesus, our good shepherd, has proved his great love for us. And I'm saying to you, you can trust him. He is the Lord God, our shepherd, and we shall not want. How do I know that you can trust him? How do I know that he's proven his love? Number one, he has to remove the guilt and shame of our sin that causes us to feel lack. Number two, he came to give us a life of abundance, lacking nothing in him. Number three, a natural shepherd, when he purchases his sheep, he puts his seal of ownership on them to indicate that there is treasured possessions. Well, Jesus purchased us with his own blood. He proved your value and your worth that you belong to him. You are his treasured possession. The good shepherd usually knows his sheep intimately and that they are especially important to him. He notices when they wander off and pursue you with his love. 
And that's why Jesus said to us in John chapter 10 that he knows his sheep and calls them by name. Every one of us today, Jesus not only knows you, he can call you by name. And lastly, you can trust him. You can give your cares because he cares for you. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. Let's go to Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 through 10 in the NLT. Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 in the NLT. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Here we go. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Verse 10. So you, are also, so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Did you see that? You and I, because the Lord is our shepherd, we are complete in him. You lack absolutely nothing. Amen? In Psalms 38, verse 10. Let's go to Psalms 38, verse 10. Also in the NLT. Thank you. My heart beats wildly, my strength fails, and I'm going blind. Go ahead. My loved ones and friends stay away. Wait a minute. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 8. Psalms 34, verse 8. I'm exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. Now give me verse 10 now. My heart beats wildly. Wow, is that a right translation? I want Psalms 34, not 38. No wonder. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I'm reading this today. I'm saying, wait a minute. This is not what my Bible says. There you go. Psalms 34, verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. All the joys of those who take refuge in him. And for you and I, as born-again believers, we are placed in him. He's our refuge and our fortress. Verse 10. Fear the Lord. Okay, verse 10. Even strong young lions sometimes, sometimes go hungry. But those who trust in the Lord will not lack no good thing. Hallelujah. We will not lack any good thing. Now, in closing this segment, now, let me just go through four areas in which we may experience lack and how we address that. Four areas. Remember, we started out Psalms, 20, Psalms 23 verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want or I shall not lack. Let me now just close this with four areas of common lack and how to address them. So the first benefit I'm addressing this morning is the fact that we do not lack. Being seated in Christ, we do not lack. In this time, in this very, very, very peculiar time, many of us will need God's wisdom to navigate through this season. James chapter 1 verse 5 tells us that if any of us lack wisdom, James 1 5, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given him. So I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what, where you are, what you're doing, what you're up to, what's going on. But if you need God's wisdom in this season, just ask. That's what it says. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ has been made unto us all wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So in him 
is the fullness of God. So ask him, God, how do I do what is to be done now? Ask for wisdom. Number two, guidance. Guidance. Proverbs 11.14 in NIV, please. Proverbs 11 verse 14 in the NIV. I truly believe that we are in a season where God wants to reset many of us. In other words, he wants us to spend this time in seeking his face so that we can have direction on what we will be doing after Corona is over. You need God's guidance. Proverbs 11, 14 says, For the lack of guidance, a nation falls. But many advisors make victory sure. Amen? We don't have to have... We don't have to lack guidance because we have Jesus. He's our shepherd. So if we need guidance, ask him. I like a scripture in Genesis 24, verse 27. Genesis 24, verse 27 uh, in the NKJV. I think it says, I be in the way, the Lord led me. I be in the way, the Lord led me. In Genesis 24, verse 27. And he said, that's a servant of Abraham. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's uh, brethren. And the reason I'm saying this is, many of us are seeking God's guidance, but we are not moving. We are packed in the same place, thinking the guidance will just fall from heaven and smack, smack us in the head. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. You obey the last instruction you heard because the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. You just start moving. You start moving. As you start moving, God will bring a cause correction to your way if you're off. But if you're not off, he's going to lead you to where you need to be. Amen? Yes. So I've been in a way. The servant of Abraham left the house. He didn't know where he was going specifically, but he said, I've been in the way. As I'm in the way. Who's the way? Jesus. John 14, 6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I've been in the way. Oh, my God. Mm. As you are in the way, in Jesus, <laughs> Jesus' GPS will guide you accurately to where you need to be. Hallelujah. So we may lack wisdom, we may lack guardians, and then lastly, we may lack counsel. Proverbs 15.22 in NIV as well. Proverbs 15.22 in NIV. Plans fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. You need God's counsel? Ask him. It's your father. It's your shepherd. And he says, you shall not want, you shall not lack. If you don't hear anything else this morning, I want you to receive the confidence of being able to relate to, to God as your father and Jesus as your shepherd. Amen? Now lastly, and this is where most of us are, sustenance, meeting our needs. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Actually, let's, let's go to Mark 8, I'm sorry. Mark chapter 8. Okay, okay, leave that, leave that. Matthew 6, 25, that's why I can deal with that. I can, I can use that, thank you. Therefore I said to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink. Know about your body, what you will put on. 
Is life not more than food and a body more than clothing? Verse 26, let's go on to verse 30. Verse 26. Thank you, Jesus. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valued than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the ladies of the field, how they grow. They neither tore nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of them. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Hallelujah. So God is saying, don't sweat. Trust him. As the sheep cannot fend for itself or care for itself, and the shepherd takes care of them, God is saying, I'm committed to you. Let me just close with this last scripture, Mark chapter 8. Let's look at how Jesus addressed it. How did he do it? Mark chapter 8, verse 1. Thank you, Jesus. Mark chapter 8, verse 1. Thank you. In those days, the multitude being very great, and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. Now, do you see how a shepherd thinks? Look at, I mean, just, 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 just hear what Jesus is saying here. This is how a shepherd thinks. Just as that baby in the woman that is pregnant, the baby does not have to cry and say, please feed me, please, I want to eat, I want to do this. The baby don't have to do that. It's automatic. It's a relationship. It's a union. And as a result of that union, the needs are being met without them having to ask or cry for it. Verse 4. Then his disciples answered, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? Uh-huh. And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before them, and he set them before the multitude. Verse 7. They also had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said to them, also before them, he said them before, before them, okay, verse 8. So they ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. This is the point. You have lack, you have a need. A perceived need that you think needs to be met, your attitude should be that of thanksgiving. Give thanks for what you have. Father, I thank you for what you've blessed me with. I thank you for what I do have. Then after you've thanked him for what you do have, then you can now make a petition for what you do need at that hour. And trust God that he will meet it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Amen. Take a key from Jesus when you're faced with the perception of lack by thankfully acknowledging that the creator of the universe truly loves and cares for you. And with gratitude and exhortation, you can declare, the Lord is my shepherd. I do not 
lad. And so with that, I close this segment of the message. And again, I want to offer you, in fact, if you are not a sheep yet, if you are not born again, you don't belong to the fold yet, you, want, you need to know that Jesus loves you, he cares about you. The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, not just the sheep, the world, that he gave his only begotten son. And therefore, the opportunity is now yours to accept the offer of God for a reconciliation to bring you home, to be part of his fold. If that's you, I want to pray for you right now. I just want you to acknowledge the Lord Jesus where you are. Open your heart and invite him, receive him to become your Lord, your Savior, and yes, your good shepherd. Amen? So say after me, say, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this incredible privilege, the opportunity you are giving me to become a part of your fold, to become a sheep in your pasture. I believe on the Lord Jesus that he died for my sin and rose again from the dead for my victory. And according to your word, he said, if I make that confession, I shall be saved. And so, Lord, accept me as one of your sheep right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, my friend, if you said that prayer and you really meant it, I want to welcome you to the fold of God. You are now a sheep, bona fide, certified sheep to the glory of God. Amen. Welcome to the flock of God. Now, again, let us know that you've made that prayer, you've said that prayer by sending us a message on our website, walkfindusa.org, W-O-C-F-A-N-U-S-A.org. We love you. God bless you. Looking forward to seeing you again in our upcoming services on Sunday at, at 10 o'clock. Tuesday at 8 p.m., Wednesday at 7.30, and Friday noon prayer at 12 o'clock. We love you, thank God for you, and we'll see you again very soon. God bless you. Amen.